Welcome, everybody, to Top Qualifier Radio. I'm your host, Tyler Dara, and today we have a very special guest for us. We have Mr. Mike Garrison from T5 Race Announcing, also the uh, owner of Boom RC, Boom Racing Creations, and also the uh, chief editor there at Inside Line RC, and also the host of one of my favorite things to watch is uh, Live from the Living Room from the Supercross races. But, Mike, how are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. I know uh, every time I, I see you at the races, I know you You told me this weekend when we were at the uh, carpet race, you said, man, you're everywhere. And I, I kind of I kind of have been. You know, I live down here in Pittsburgh, and I try to make as many races as I can. We go race a lot over in Marionville, Missouri. is a lot of, one of the places where we go almost every weekend and go kind of practice there. Real small, tight, bullring-type track, you know. But I like to go up there to Fast Lane, your home track. And then, like we said, we were over at the carpet race, but – um, I think the first thing that we're going to talk about is going to be the carpet race this weekend. You did very well over there. You had a couple uh, first places, a, a second and a third over there peppered in as well. But how did you like racing over there at the carpet uh, at NWA? Oh, I tell you what, that place, uh, fantastic facility, awesome people. Um, that's only the second carpet track that I've ever been to. I'm, I'm pretty much a dirt guy for the most part, but uh, very cool, very cool. I like the, uh, I like the track. I had a cool layout. Um, I've had, I've been to tracks before that had the wall rides, but I've never been to a track with a double wall ride. So that was pretty cool. Um, and of course the FPV, uh, short course race, <laughs> that was probably the highlight of my weekend. That was, that was pretty crazy. I was terrified to do it. And then, uh, now after watching it, I don't know what kind of face I was making in that video, but <laughs> I'm pretty terrified of whatever was going through my brain. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if you guys are out there listening, you can go to NWA RC raceway. And if you want to, you can watch that video of Mike running the car one of my favorite things is I think you were coming down the front straightaway towards the kind of chicane area, and you, you kind of had an expression on your face like, oh, no, what's going on? And I think you said that a couple times, but that definitely was a lot of fun. And you did say something that kind of rings true to myself as well. You know, I grew up at, racing over at Hutch at HP Hobbies when I was a little kid, and, and I never really have ever run carpet. That's the first time my car ever touched carpet or I have ever touched carpet was the first round of qualifying there. And it's a lot different, you know, the guys out there, if you're listening and you're dirt guy, you got to go at least try it once. I think, you know, uh, the, the traction is plentiful. There's really no shortage of traction and your car is going incredibly fast, a lot faster than you would be on dirt because you're not scrubbing tires. You're basically going, especially with those pin tires like I was running. And what were some differences that you saw, Mike, in, in, in running dirt uh, to carpet, like we said, and I had to turn down dual rates and EPAs and stuff like that to even keep my car on the track. Did you have to do anything like that? Uh, absolutely. I, I, matter of fact, I turned down my dual rate, too, on, on both my cars, the two-wheel and four-wheel uh, buggy. And I tell you, the other weird thing was I ran um, foam tires on my four-wheel drive because I found that the pin tires were so edgy that it was just, for me, was undrivable. But on the two-wheel drive, um, the foam tires were just not doing it. So I thought that was pretty interesting that, uh, you know, a lot of guys say, hey, you know, the tires aren't, aren't the big issue like they are in dirt, trying to figure out what compound and all that. But when you got the option, like with foam tires or rubber tires and that kind of thing, the tires still play a factor in, in the carpet racing and that kind of thing. Um, and probably one of the biggest things I learned from the weekend was just out of habit, I, you know, went straight to the bathroom and filled up my little tire washer and was ready to wash tires. And <laughs> that's, that's non-existent in the carpet oh, yeah. world. So I, I had a clean tire washer all week long. So that was cool. Yeah, definitely uh, a little bit different. Like you said, I think my car, uh, I went in with with basically a dirt setup and dirt still from on it from the weekend before when I was at Fastlane on last Wednesday. And, 
you know, I I I, when I think my car ended up cleaner after I raced because it kind of just knocks the stuff off. And obviously with carpet, you you don't have any dirt. They try to keep all the dirt off and they try to keep it clean and they sweep it and they do everything else like that. It it literally is like running on your living room except for you have all the all the jumps and stuff like that. But you know, I I told uh, I told Ray Horn over there at NWA. I said, you know, this is a lot closer to me than than fast lane is. Fast lane for me is about a it's about a two-hour drive, and, uh, and and Rogers is about an hour 20 for me. So I think every once in a while, I mean, I'm always still going to be a dirt guy. But but the carpet was definitely fun and definitely something that I might be doing. And I know uh, up up north to where uh, where you're at and over in Topeka, along with Jake's RC, they just opened that uh, Ultraline Hobbies. And I have to think I, I might have to make a trip over there to Topeka to see if I can go race carpet over there too. What do you think? Yeah, you know, we were just talking about that ourselves. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to go check that out as well. I never made it. Uh, there was that. Uh, there was Cat Town over there in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and uh, I never made it to Cat Town. Unfortunately, they closed down. But I'm anxious to uh, go up to Ultra Line. I've got a couple buddies that's out there, and uh, they said it's a good time. So I think I think one of the advantages to the the carpet racing is, um, although it doesn't have some of the characteristics of dirt that everybody loves and kind of knows, with carpet racing, I think it's a lot easier for um, RC tracks to get started, and it's it, it, when you go to rent a building from somebody. If you say, "Hey, I'm going to bring in, you know, ten truckloads of dirt to fill in this building," they're like, "Whoa, you know, I don't want to rent this building out to you. Yeah. Throw dirt and mud and all that." But if you say, "Hey, we're going to be, you know, building a carpet RC track. We're going to lay down some carpet and some wooden ramps and that kind of thing," um, I don't think that's that's near the issue. So I think it kind of opens up um, where RC tracks and RC facilities can be can be placed, which is cool because it just helps grow the hobby. Yeah, and I think uh, another thing to think about whenever you look at that is I've heard about people bringing in literally temporary carpet tracks, like a, at a gym, and they they set out uh, said they set out the wood jumps and they lay the carpet down and things like that, and they basically run a weekend race and it's like a traveling series where they almost run the same layout and the same jumps, but just different places, you know. And it, it's kind of cool, and like you said, it's kind of uh, growing the sport, but. You know, I think we, we should go ahead and kind of go back to both of our roots here and talk about something maybe we when we know more about, and that and that is dirt racing. And, you know, before I wanted to talk about that, I know we talked about you uh, over at T5 Race Announcing, and one thing that I learned just by kind of researching some of the things that you've been doing is is that's a, that's a, a special name because of the predicament, or not predicament, but the disability that you have, Mike. And I know we don't want to dwell on this too long, but maybe you could give our listeners out there who maybe have never heard your story, which is a very enlightening story. And I know you're one of the happiest guys I'm around whenever I'm at the track. But, I mean, you started out uh, dirt bike racing just like myself and and kind of moved toward RC racing, but it, it maybe wasn't by choice. So can you just tell us your story just a little bit? Well, sure, absolutely. I uh, It's actually weird because... Um when I was little, my, my dad raced motocross back in the 70s and grew up racing motocross. Then when I was born, um, hung up the boots, quit riding motocross, and he got into RC cars. So when I was real little, I started racing RC cars with my dad. And then for, I believe it was my fifth Christmas, five-year-old, um, they ended up buying me my first dirt bike. And then away went the RC cars, and we were back to dirt bikes. And I raced dirt bikes for 13 years. And... You know, like any kid on a dirt bike, thought, hey, man, I'm going to be the next Ricky Carmichael, James Stewart, that kind of thing. And uh, got in a crash, just a local race crash um, in 2006, and broke my T5 and T6 vertebrae, which paralyzed me from the chest down. And shortly before getting hurt, I'd actually sold one of my bikes and went out and bought an RC car. So I'd been doing a little bit of RC just kind of on the side for fun and just kind of trying to get back into it. But um, for sure, whenever I got hurt, I was like, hey, let's uh let's do this rc thing right so uh that 
kind of turned the full focus to RC, and we've never really looked back from there. And I know I've kind of watched a couple of your videos out there. You also have done some cage motocross racing, uh, obviously with the with the cage around your legs and stuff like that, and gotten back on a bike. And but one thing that I really like watching you do is that UTV racing, and you seem to really enjoy that. And that uh, that's another kind of a thing that I talk to people and and I meet people and I say, hey, I race RC cars, and they're like, really, just kind of a toy car, you know? But it, it really has an incredible amount of parallels between both uh, like core racing, uh, the, the, the stadium truck racing, full-size stadium truck racing, and motocross, and, and a lot of different things. And, I mean, obviously you get into on-road, and it's basically like Formula One racing just with smaller cars. And, and what kind of parallels have you seen from your time racing motocross and then now going to RC and kind of dabbling in the UTV racing and stuff like that? What, have, what are some of the parallels that you find between those kind of three disciplines of racing? I mean, I got to be honest with you. I think when you're on the driver's stand and, you, and you're seriously racing, um, yeah, if you're out in a parking lot or something, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a fun, it's a toy car, that kind of thing. But when you're up there racing, it's kind of like anything, any hobby that, you know, guys and girls get into, whether you're racing lawnmowers or whatever, the adrenaline starts kicking in. Um, and it just starts, that that whole, uh, that that thrill of racing comes in. And, and I, I get the same thrill from racing an RC car that I ever did getting, you know, riding a dirt bike or racing a UTV, because when you kind of get in that zone, it's just, it's something you can't even really explain. It's just uh, when you're racing something like that, whether it be a, you know, quote-unquote toy car, or whether it be a dirt bike or whatever, um, it's all racing and the competition's there. And I think more and more, especially, not so much some of the tracks over in Europe, but the American-style tracks, I compare a lot of the you know, the indoor 10-scale racing in the wintertime uh, here in the Midwest, I compare it to a lot of, like, the arena cross racing or supercross racing. Um, and then in the summertime, uh, you know, obviously the motocross guys, the pro motocross scene goes outdoors, and they run the outdoor nationals, which are longer races, more wide-open tracks. The tracks are gnarly and rough and bumpy, and uh, that translates over to RC because that's basically what eight-scale racing is outside. You know, the, the hour-long mains, it's nasty, it's dirty, it's dusty. The tracks are just blown out. Um, so I, I compare it kind of that way, you know, the winter time to me is like supercross arena cross season, uh, for the 10 scale stuff. And then in the summertime we go outdoors, just like the motocross guys go outdoors. So, um, I think, I think they're very similar, very similar. And, and I can totally agree with you. In fact, about the thrill and, you know, you kind of, you kind of get shaky up there when you're on the stand, especially, um, if you're maybe leading a race or, or trying to make a bump spot or things like that. And, you know, I've done a lot of kinds of different kinds of racing in my life. I, I've done circle track, big cars, I've done drag racing and a whole bunch of other different kinds. You know, like I said, I've done motocross, but RC seems to be at least for guys like myself in college and stuff like that, who maybe don't have the budget to go out there and build a, a 10 or $15,000 circle track car or have a five or $6,000 motorcycle and then have a thousand or $2,000 of riding equipment on top of it. I mean, these these small cars can be that much too, but, you know, my racing program right now is fairly low budget, and it kind of gives a lot of more people that thrill of racing than maybe they would if they were maybe more, more privileged to be able to afford something like that. And I think that that's kind of a big draw to people as well. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that um, it, it's a cool hobby or sport, or I'd like to think of it as a sport, but yeah. hobby or sport or whatever you want to call it, because... Uh, anybody can do it. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're young, old, whatever. It's something that anybody can get into. Um, anybody can be competitive if they, you know, you put the time and that kind of thing into it. And, uh, you know, it goes to show that just like 
obviously I'm not going to be able to hop on a dirt bike and go race supercross tomorrow from a wheelchair. Uh, but you know, you can go the, the RC track and you'd be just as competitive as the next guy. Uh, and it, it does, like I say, you know, it doesn't matter, um, 70 years old, you can still race an RC car. You may not be able to, to, uh, have the reaction or whatever to go out and, and drag race a full size car or circle track or whatever. But, uh, RC is something that, you know, everybody can do. And, and it's also a family sport, kind of like, uh, you know, anything, uh, that the whole family can get into. So it's, it's neat to see. And I know, Mike, you are a four-wheel drive guy. You've told me that. You said you kind of like driving the four-wheel drives. You drive a TLR 22.4 and you're kind of a TLR guy. But, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about on, on my podcast here is about new stuff. And right now the biggest thing on the market is that B64D. You know, everybody was really looking forward to it with the advent of the 6 platform, the 6 and the 6D. And I have myself a 6D, and I ran it and this from the first time I drove it coming from a TLR car. And I and granted, I only raced the TLR car for a couple of weeks before I ended up getting rid of it and got a B6. But, you know, I just felt like it was super smooth to drive and things like that. And I'm not, I haven't seen a B64D. I haven't seen anything other than what I have seen from the Reedy race. And, you know, going out there, Cavalieri, obviously, uh, uh, a couple firsts and a couple seconds in the four-wheel drive class out there at the Reedy race in this kind of first iteration. But what have you seen? I know, you, like we said, you're the editor over Inside Line, and I'm not sure if you have done an uh, article about the B64D or not, but what can you tell us from what you've seen in parallels to what maybe you drive right now in a 22.4? Well, you know, like you say, um, I am a TLR guy, TLR guy so um, I love my TLR stuff. It always works great, but um, you know, like a lot of these companies associated, they're always, always coming out with something good. Um, so you can't, you can't count them out. I know there's been, you know, there's been some skepticism online. You always got some guys criticizing this and that, saying, oh, this is a copy of this, this is a copy of that. And, um, you know, when it comes right down to it, uh, all these manufacturers, they, they work their butts off to try and find something that, you know, works the best for, for the racers and that kind of thing. And I think the, the B64 is a, perfect example of that and and uh i think like any new car it's a, it's a totally new platform so i'm sure right out of the gate there's going to be a few little you know some hiccups here or there or maybe something doesn't quite work as well as they were hoping but um associated is never one to leave something on the table so they'll they'll have that car uh exactly where it needs to be i'm sure in no time and uh i think just like the b44 will be probably one of the most successful full drives out there and obviously, one of the things you look at when you look at a, at this B64 compared to a 22.4 or a 2.0 there is the fact that it's got a uh, it's got an inline motor instead of a what you would call a transverse motor with belts and, and it has shafts. And you know, I don't know if you've been able to drive a, tw- a B44 three. That's what I have, and I'm getting rid of it right now to maybe try to see if I can buy a B64. But you know, all the things that was wrong with the B44.3, with the fact that it was standard in a time when everybody was going to metric, um, you know, the, the, the shock towers, the, the arms and everything, it seems like that they've really put out an effort, and a lot of people didn't see this between the .2 and .3, a really big effort to give us, you know, the consumer, the, a quality product and, a, and in something that's really different. You know, we see a, tw- a T4, T4.2, T4.3, and all these things like that. But it's basically the same car, and with this complete redesign, it really seems like it's going to change everything. But they're going to stay with that inline motor configuration with a car that'll pitch a lot more side to side. Other than your TLR car that pitches a lot uh, forward and backward, it'll be a little different. And you know, like we said, Cavalieri 
didn't have the best uh, showing over there at the Reedy Race in the four-wheel drive. Uh, Mayfield won two of the heats with his Yokomo stuff. But uh, like I said, just kind of a complete redesign, and you touched on it a little bit. But what are some things that you can tell us that's different between driving a shaft car than maybe a belt car like what you drive? Um, well, you know, actually, and, and like you said, um, before I uh, before I ran the TLR stuff, I ran um, Associate as well. And both, I think, are great cars and, and great uh, platforms, no matter who's, you know, making them belt or shaft. But uh, the thing I've, I think the big difference that I've noticed is the, the, obviously the number one thing is the belt drive cars. First thing I notice is how quiet they are. Belt oh. drives are super quiet, silent, but deadly. Yeah. Um, but as far as, as the way they, the way they operate on the track and the way they feel to me, the, the belt drive cars seem to be a, maybe a little quicker, maybe a little more nimble. Uh, but the shaft drive cars, they're, they're built to last. Uh, you know, you're not going to have the maintenance that you have with belts. Uh, or worry about breaking a belt or anything like that. And the to me, it's kind of more of a uh, almost like an, an eight scale feel dialed down with a shaft drive car. Belt drive car gives you more a little more of like a touring car feel um, and that kind of thing. So it's just kind of your driving style, what you think fits you, what kind of track you're on. I think both have their place. And uh, you know, a lot of places, it's kind of here or there. Either car is going to be you know up there in the running, depending on uh, who's behind the wheel. And once again, you know, Mike, I'm kind of keeping you long on here, but we're having a good time talking. And one of the things I told you about was that I wanted to ask you about one of the maybe products or things that are out there that you really are enjoying right now, maybe a new piece of technology or a new tool or something like that. And then also one that uh, you maybe think is a little overhyped. And I didn't know if you if you had a couple things for us or anything like that that you could talk about. Um, yeah, you know, I'm going to have to say um – Right now, I'm really big on, I, I, as we talked about, as you mentioned, I'm a four-wheel drive guy. Me and two-wheel drive, we just don't get along. <laughs> but for whatever reason, this past weekend, um, I finally decided to, to pull out the two-wheel drive. I, I stayed patient enough. I put a little time into it, um, tried to get a little extra practice with it. And um, I, the last two-wheel drive that I had was the original TLR-22. And this was my first weekend out with the 3.0, so I just kind of skipped the 2.0 altogether there. And I was really blown away at the difference uh, that I would say mid-motor has come from when mid-motor first kind of came out. Mm -hmm. When, you know, the originally the X-Factory guys were kind of the, the, I'm going to call them the oddballs running the mid-motors. And, you know, that phase kind of came in and we're like, oh, we try it and at least around the, you know, our local tracks, we were like, man, this is terrible. Why would anybody run mid-motor, you know? So these cars coming out to me, these two-wheel drives, and they're all mid-motors, no option for a rear motor, and I'm like, they got to be terrible, but, I mean, everybody's now driving them, so everybody's car is terrible. Well, I was way wrong on that, that's for sure. You know, the mid-motors have come a long way, and, and uh, I, I have, that's one thing that everybody hyped up, and I didn't believe it for the longest time, and now I have to put a little time into it. Um, I, I can't argue mid motor's got to be the way to go and i would say the the thing that right now um i'm i'm gonna say don't believe the hype um kind of depends on where you're at and what you're racing but is in my opinion the lay down transmissions because um everybody seems to be jumping on them and that kind of thing but if you really you step back and look at them they're designed for ultra high traction such as carpet or super high traction dirt, you know, where you're running slicks or something like that applications. But the problem is everybody's getting so wound up in these new 
you know, the new fad of the lay down that they're not putting together. Well, hey, I don't race on those conditions. You know, I maybe I run on a looser track or something that's not quite so high bite or, you know, outdoor loose dirt and all that. Um, so that's one of the things I see a lot of people jumping on the lay down thing and, you know, it may or may not work for them. And, and by no means am I saying, you know, a lay down is not going to work or whatever, but, um, I think it's the newest thing. And so everybody's jumping on it, but a lot of guys aren't realizing, Hey, that may not be what is going to make my car best or may not be for the conditions that I'm running on. No so that's that right there, I think would be the, uh, the biggest, uh, hype thing right now for me. No doubt about it. And you talked about it, the, the mid-motor, you know, when I first got out of racing for the first time that we were all running B4s, you know, the, the Centro was a new thing, a kind of a conversion to run a mid-motor and things like that. And it really didn't catch on too much whenever I was racing, but now obviously everybody has to run it. And like you said, the lay down, haven't tried it, not sure if I'm going to, but you know, Mike, I wanted to tell you, thank you for joining us here on uh, Top Qualifier Radio and wanted to tell you that uh, I just, like I said, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule. I know you got a lot of things going. Like we said, Mike out there, guys, go check it out. T5 Race Announcing on Facebook, Boom RC on Facebook, InsideLineRC.com and InsideLineRC on Facebook, and also Mike uh, himself on Live from the Living Room. But for me, the best place I can find you, Mike, is right there on the driver's stand. So I want to tell you thanks for uh, joining us here on Top Qualifier Radio. Well, thank you so much, and uh, hope to be back very soon. All right. Well, no doubt about it. Well, once again, that'll be the first episode here on Top Qualifier Radio. Be sure to catch us in two weeks. You know where to find us.